we're going to be talking about three things that I've decided when it comes to evangelism are three points that I can use for reasons that I believe in Jesus and the triune God. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. you to think about what reasons you might have. And I'm not talking about rationalization. I'm not talking about there not being a place for faith. What I am talking about is what the Apostle Peter said we should do when he said, always be prepared to give an answer, to give a reason for the hope that you have. So this all started when this idea came about when I was in my car running an errand and I was listening to In the Marketplace with Janet Parshall. And she had a guest named Jay Warner Wallace, and he's a retired detective who used to work on cold cases. And he's written several books. One is Cold Case Christianity. One is God's Crime Scene. Another is Forensic Faith. I haven't read any of them. But he had this wonderful... um, interview that really made me start thinking of how I would talk to somebody and what evidence I would give in terms of why I believe. And so as I started thinking, I really came up with my three that um, really have the weight in, in why I believe in the Bible. Number one, I believe God created the world. And this is a biggie, really, because Satan has worked really hard to veil this truth. You've got the Big Bang Theory. You've got the theory of evolution. Um, you've got so many ways that we try to strip God of his glory. And it comes up just in just in our little phrases that we use all the time. You know, we give credit to Mother Nature for the beautiful day. Or... Um, you know, we, we thank our lucky stars, or we, we are always stripping glory from God. And I think it's so important that if we believe that God created the world, as Christians should, because that's what's revealed to us in the Bible, um, we should be prepared to defend that. Look at how uh, everything works together so beautifully in nature. We need oxygen. Plants need carbon dioxide. We give off carbon dioxide, they give off oxygen. It's just this beautiful harmony. Look at how um, fruits continually ripen at different times, at different um, points of the year, so that we're we're in continual, um, we have these these this produce that we can continually get. So, you know, rhubarb comes right away at the beginning of the season, and then strawberries, and then raspberries, and then blueberries. Think of if these things all were ripe at the exact same time. And it would be overwhelming to try to deal with them, and then we wouldn't have anything the rest of the year. And it's the the continual um, production of different crops and how things work together in nature and how um, this plant supports this insect and this insect supports this animal and this animal supports this bird and the way that so many biological things work together. That is beyond anything that we can claim credit for. And it really is a faith in its own to deny that this all-powerful God has done this. 
And in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is talking about actually the idea of evangelism. And he's saying that, you know, we can't take credit for that either. But he says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And the truth is, in nature, so much of what happens is beyond our capacity to make it happen. Even as far as we have come with advances in science and advances in DNA, we still are so um, beneath all these things that happen. And so one of my evidences for why I believe in God is that God created the world and all these things work together. And that is far beyond anything that I know of any human being able to do. My second evidence is the fact that God foretold what he would do and how he would do it. And he did this through many writers over thousands of years. He gave us these intricate details as to where, when, and how he would save us. And most of the time, I can't imagine that the writers even understood exactly what they were writing or how it would play out. How could Moses, for example, know when he put that bronze snake on the pole that thousands of years later, Jesus would be put on a pole to heal the whole world, not of a physical snake bite, but of the bite that Satan um, took in the Garden of Eden when he plunged the whole world into sin. Isaiah, writing about the virgin birth, probably didn't quite comprehend what that meant or how that would come about or, or that the Savior would come about that way. David giving such a detailed description of Jesus on the cross. Micah writing about Bethlehem being the place of Jesus' birth. Hosea mentioning that Jesus would live in Egypt for a time. All these prophets were writing about things that they they couldn't have known the big picture because they were writing before it ever happened. And yet, God was showing us that he had this plan and that he knew exactly how it was going to happen. Really, the prophecies are there for us to know that God knew about it beforehand. He already knew the whole big picture. We didn't. Um, they were just little snippets that he was giving us. He was giving the people in that day that the prophets were speaking just a little glimmer of what was coming. And then he was giving us hope, knowing that he's trustworthy and he's faithful. And if he says he's going to do something, he most certainly is going to do it. And the fact that God is so faithful and that he gave us so many details concerning Jesus and how Jesus would bring about redemption, that is something that absolutely affirms my faith and reminds me that God is God and bigger than me and able to do what I'm not able to do. Because I know if he knew the past, he most certainly knows and understands and comprehends the future. And that is a great, um, that's just a great security for me. It's a, it's a great source of comfort to know that God held the past, gave us snippets to hold on to, and he's holding the future. My number three reason that I can give for people for why I have the faith that I have is because Jesus became one of us. He lived, he died, he rose again. He put skin on. So many leaders in organizations are unwilling to get their hands dirty. They just make it seem as if they are so much better than the people beneath them or 
You know, they've gotten to a certain point that they wouldn't do this or it's beneath them to do that. I remember being at a uh, Christian writers conference one time once, and um, this was years and years ago. And I was just really turned off by the fact that um, they had this chart where if you have spoken for so many years at conferences, then you should ask for this amount of money. And then after so many more years, you should ask for this amount of money and then for that amount of money. And I just thought, but what if the people who are asking you to come speak to them don't have (laughs) $6,000? Does that just mean that you're above that? It was just kind of a turnoff to me. And um, it was just interesting that Jesus wasn't that way. Boy, he embraced humility completely and totally. He had the most humble of births. He walked about not using his power for his own human glory, not using it for his own comfort, um, not making his life better, but he used his power and glory to show us who he was so that we might know, so that we might believe. I'm not sure if you've seen The Chosen. It's a series of, um, the first season is eight episodes, and it really is um, in movie form. So uh, who, it's just about the life of Christ and the calling of the disciples and Nicodemus and Mary Magdalene. And there are some issues that have been brought up. So, you know, I'm not taking a side one way or the other. There was a joke that Jesus said at the wedding of Cana that some people have taken offensively and um, there's certainly a lot of artistic license and um, dramatizing Peter's life and Matthew's life and Nicodemus and some have questioned music lyrics at certain points and all those things aside, what the chosen does in a just a masterful way is to make Jesus human. When he interacts with the children, it is absolutely precious. The look that he gives Peter when he tells him to put down his net. And, you know, we've all read these accounts in the Bible. And we even read Peter's reaction. You know, Lord, I've fished all night. But because you say so, I will. I mean, just that frustration. The look that he gave Matthew when he said, follow me. And Matthew standing up from the tax collector's booth and walking off the job. I mean, it's things that... You've read, but to see it and to um, just see those looks uh, from Jesus, I I can't speak for you. But for me, that show, it just makes me want to be with Jesus. I want to know him more. And I really want to be like him. Because he cared so much for us, he was willing to do that. He was willing to put his skin on. He was willing to come down and be one of us. And that is one of the reasons that I can give people for why I hold firmly to my faith. I have three quotes for you. Um, One is from Charles Spurgeon, and it says, The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. I think so often um, one of the stumbling blocks is, is getting people to the Bible. Like Spurgeon said, God can defend himself in his word. It's not my job to defend the, the Bible or to say, well, this part of the Bible doesn't make sense anymore. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't read that part of the Bible because that's too hard. That's too frustrating. I don't like that part. No, no. 
No, God can speak for himself in his word, but a lot of times people need um, the bridge, someone who will say, really, you need to go to the word. And I have an interesting um, example of that happening just in everyday conversation. So I don't know how the 2020 presidential race went for you, but there was a lot of frustration in our house because we were frustrated with the lack of um, manners, of, um, oh, just general, oh, courtesy between um, candidates. And it, it just seemed like a very ugly time where the nation was so polarized and there were so many fights and and riots and things and people were screaming at each other instead of listening to one another. And it just caused for a, a lot of unrest and anxiety. And so I was talking to someone one day and and they were just mentioning how they just get, you know, all torn up in knots and they just couldn't take it anymore. And and I I just simply said, you know, I understand that I really do because I I have to be totally honest and and I can't stand to watch that either. But what I do is I read my Bible before bed. And instead of watching the news and going away feeling like my stomach's in knots because all this is going on and there's so much controversy and there's so much unrest, there's so much trouble. Before I go to bed, I I read from the Bible and it calms me and it gives me a sense of God's in control. So what I can't take care of, what I can't master, what I can't control, God sees and God knows. And that person um, later emailed my husband and said, you know, I really need to start doing that because I hate this anxiety. And I think, I think I'm going to try the Bible. D.L. Moody said, we must talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. And I know I say this often, but prayer is such an important step. It's such an important part of any of our ministries. Because on our own, just like that First Corinthians passage um, where Paul said, you know, it doesn't matter who plants and it doesn't matter who waters, only God can make things grow. God can do so much ab- abundantly more, <laughs> incredibly more than we can do with our own ability, our own talent, our own words. And that's why it's so important when we think about evangelism and sharing our faith. It's so important that we start with God. Lord, help me to be able to give people the reason for the hope that I have. Remind me of the places in the Bible where you reveal yourself in these ways. Help me to see the people right in front of me who are hungry for your word. Um, all those, those little simple prayers are important steps to evangelism. And even the prayer of don't let me miss the interruptions that you've put into my life as a means of getting me to talk to someone about you. So I think that's an important step when we're talking about sharing our faith. And the last one is, um, the last quote is from Ray Comfort. And he says, if you are not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, then I am concerned for yours. We have this incredible hope. We have Jesus, and it is so beyond us that he has been so gracious to us. We haven't earned 
We haven't deserved anything. Um, You know, there's nothing, nothing that I have done that would make God open heaven on my behalf. Because everything that I do is flawed. I give my best, but it's still so little, so minor. We're told that if we've, you know, messed up at all, if we've sinned at all, we've broken the whole law. And man, as you look into the commandments, it's so easy to do that. Because Jesus showed it's not just about, you know, committing adultery. It's about committing adultery in your mind. It's about lusting after someone. It's not just about murdering someone. It's about hating someone. And when we break the commandments down that way, it's so easy to see how far we fall short, how how undeserved grace is. And when I realize that and when I know that, and then when I feel the comfort and know the comfort of the gospel that God God's not opening heaven for me because of anything that I've done. But he's opening heaven for me because Jesus paid a price for me. Jesus loved me enough to say, I'll die for you, Amber. I'll take your place. I I will pay your debt. That is a comfort and a solace and a peace that I want others to have and that I want others to know. So those are my three key points that I came up with. And it was actually a really good exercise for me to do this and to really think about why do I believe what I believe? If you have something you'd like to add, I'd love for you to send me a note and message me um, and let me know. And uh, we can mutually encourage one another. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.